you know, for those of you investors out there that leveraged up quite a bit over the past couple of years, rates have gone up significantly in the alternative space. So when you get your renewal, start to reach out to your mortgage lender. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Hey, Danielle, I'm really excited for today's podcast recording. We've got Brian Hogman from Mission 35 Mortgages joining us. Yeah, Mission 35. Everybody has heard of the movie Mission Impossible, but uh, with Brian, getting a mortgage and, and financing your property is not Mission Impossible. So we're totally excited to hear what he's going to share with us, do's and don'ts, uh, things to help you get your mortgage, the best financing possible. Uh, the guy is very knowledgeable about mortgages, but also as a real estate investor. So all of this information, I am sure, is going to be very useful to our listeners. And the fact also that, I mean, he has, uh, he's, he's not only a mortgage broker, but he's also a, a real estate investor and has been for a number of years since he was in his early 20s. But through Mission 35 Mortgages, he has over 500 five-star reviews. Hmm. Like the guy knows his stuff. So this is really awesome. So let's get to the show. All right, let's do it. Welcome, Brian. So glad you could join us today. Oh, you know what? Thank you guys so much for having me. I always love being uh, here with the Right Club and talking everything real estate investment and how to get lots of money to uh, get you up past your shoulders in real estate investment, Catherine, because that's uh, we want to completely submerse you in real estate investment, right? Okay. That is uh, our goal because uh, the fruits are plentiful. Ryan, before we tell people, uh, other people out to other people out to get you know mortgages and and uh, increase and increase their portfolio. You have built a massive real estate portfolio. So what what have you done from an investor's point of view yourself? Uh, well, I guess you know what it's uh, you know I, I think it just I started out buying my first property and then I bought another property and another property and another property and just. Uh, and then eventually, I think I stack the knowledge, you know, you take the knowledge you get from the first one, apply it to the next one. And that led me to be able to get, you know, from single family to duplexes, triplexes, to uh, small mixed use commercial buildings, all the way up to uh, uh, 12 unit apartment buildings, uh, to an investment in, uh, in Florida. So uh, to getting that. So really just taking everything that I've learned over the, oh gosh, it's been a long time real estate investing. So it's been probably about... Uh, my first house that I purchased was in my early 20s. So, you know, like you had said earlier, it's not something that happened overnight. But uh, now for being in uh, real estate investment for the good part of 20 years, you get to see the fruits of it. It really grows. And I, I always equate it to like a snowball. You know, when you get into real estate investing, it's like pushing a snowball downhill. You just you can't stop it. You can have good markets and bad markets, but it just keeps getting bigger. And I think that's why I love the right club and, and sharing these stories with people, because you, you just got to get started and start building that portfolio. I'd like to make a little correction to what you said there about the snowball, because 
Okay. That a lot of people might think that that's the way it is, but so I, I want you to picture this. You start with a little snowball and then it goes uphill a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, you know, because you, you, you're going up the side of the hill and you want to reach the crest and then it's going to start going down at some point. But at the beginning, I'm sorry, guys, uh, when you start and you don't have every member of your team and you don't have trust from the other people for o OPM and you don't know everything that you should know, that the snowball is uphill for a little bit. And then you, it feels so good when it finally starts to go by itself. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? I appreciate you saying that. I couldn't agree more. You know what? I think after 20 years, I'm luckily on the downhill slope, you know, oh, but yeah. uh, that uphill, you're not wrong. There was a lot of slush, a lot of summer days where it almost melted. <laughs> and uh, a lot of back-breaking work. You're, you're, it's a great prequel to that analogy. I'm going to steal that for next time, Danielle. That's really good. Okay, like all right, all right, all right. Now, I'm reading something in your bio here, and um, there are over 400 five-star reviews for your business. Number one, that means you've been around more than a few weeks. So how yeah. long have you been doing this mortgage thing? And number two, how do you get a team or a business to amass to put together or to 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 earn that's the word i'm looking for 400 five-star review tell us about that oh thanks danielle well you know what i think well mission 35 we started in december of 2016 and it started just with a, a handful of us me and a couple of other really key people and i think that you know to get that because uh you know as we're growing we're getting more and more we're getting closer to 500 now as well too um it really comes with just doing the right things for people. It's not rocket science. We take a, from a mortgage broker perspective, we take an education uh, vantage point, similar to the right club. We like to educate our agents. So when people come and work with mission 35, you know, we, we love to have real estate investors come work with us because we like to work with real estate investors. And we really pride ourselves on doing the right thing for people, you know, we're as happy, you know, we joke and say we're as happy to get people into debt as we are to get them out of debt, <laughs> right? So, and I think that was where those reviews come from. And I think what our, our real secret sauce is, I've always been a big advocate for our team. Some people always say that the uh, customer is always right. Uh, I, I take the vantage point that our team is always right. And our team is always, I, I have the back of the team and we always support our team. And I think what manifests out of having just a phenomenal team is, phenomenal customer service if everybody feels like uh, they've got support they're in a great culture a great team like no different than having your real estate investment team then you can't help but have great results and happy clients and that's where uh, where I think a lot of those reviews end up coming from and you use a keyword here in, in my book I make uh, that I wrote 15 years ago I make the I, I talk about the difference between customer and client and how you you know and, and the mentality of people, when you have customers, you treat them a certain way. But when you have clients, it's, it's a different approach. And you, you use the word yourself. So people you work with are clients, not just merely customers. Yeah. You know what? And we really try to, I think we try to uh, really dig into our raving fans as well, too. The ones that, <laughs> like we have a program now, we, uh, we, we call it Mortgage Free University, MFU. So, and, and we've been thankful over the past almost six years now, we're going on almost six years, we've actually been able to see a lot of people that have become mortgage-free. Uh, and that's where Mission 35 came from, is for me to become mortgage-free by, mortgage by the time I was 35. And now we've started through real estate investment, we've got a whole bunch of people that have actually achieved that too. And it's, uh, and it's just, they become, they become friends. You know, those people become friends, just like uh, the people in the right club, they become friends. 
and you get to share best practices, good ideas, and you get to learn from each other as well, which is just, which is just awesome. We're going to take a quick break from the show. Today's podcast is brought to you by LegalSecondSuites.com. Ken Beckendam is an amazing real estate investor. He understands the process of the conversion inside and out. And he has built one of the largest by volume design build firms in the GTA that specializes in legal multifamily conversions, anywhere from two to 15 units. And he's been involved in either the designer or the contractor in well over 250 conversion projects, which resulted in over 600 legal dwelling units. That is a lot of legal dwelling units. And Ken and his team at Legal Second Suites, they cover everywhere from Halton, Niagara, Haldeman, Norfolk, Brant, Hamilton, London, Tri-Cities, Barrie, York, and anything in between. He's one of the few firms that can complete the entire process for you from design to construction to property management. So it's truly a one-stop shop. So reach out to Ken at LegalSecondSuites.com. Again, it is LegalSecondSuites.com. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. All right, Catherine, I will get back to you in a minute and uh, let you ask some some of your your, your questions. But uh, <laughs> I want I want to I want to really um, okay. So you wrote a book called How to Get Mortgage Free Really F in Fast, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What do you do with these people once they're mortgage free? Well, you know what? I think, you know, the start is, you know, when we say really, uh, really fast to put it in perspective, the plan on there is uh, it's, it's really fast in comparison to the average Canadian. You know, the average Canadian is taking an amortization of 30 years to pay off their house. What we're saying is being able to pay it off in 10 years. So it's a third of the time. Right. So to put it in perspective, you're not paying it off in uh, one month or three weeks. No. It's still a 10 year time frame. But I think what ends up happening is I think you know what, I think that'll be the next book, uh, what to do after your mortgage free, because the beautiful thing is once you've paid off your mortgage is making sure that you continue down that path, you use that leverage. The idea is not just to pay down your mortgage to have it with nothing on it, that old sort of a burn your deed kind of mentality, you know, like back in the old days, it was, ooh, burn it up. We don't have a debt anymore, but it's getting rid of the bad debt, the non-tax deductible debt, non-leverage debt is how we determine mortgage free. So, you know, putting still a line of credit or using that equity in your house, once you're paid off or even as you're paying it down, that actually accelerates getting you mortgage free. I'm so glad you, you went there because that's where I was going to take you. I was going to grab you there, whether you want it or not, because I've been working on a little booklet for a little while. I mean, I started a year ago and I'm going to finish it one day. And I think the title will be, So You're Mortgage Free. Are you out of your freaking mind? Um, oh, I like that. Well, yeah. well, and the reason for that is because I'm, I'm addressing people who, like you say, have this old mentality of, oh, we're mortgage free now. We can burn the deed. Um, and quick story here to illustrate this friend of mine in, in Orleans I visit her. I look at her house and I said, what is this word? She said, oh, about 700. And I said, well, that's great. And your mortgage. So she laughed. She said, we've been mortgage free for 10 years. Anyway, long story short, a month and a half later, she went back to the bank to get a $500,000 mortgage at 1.95%. And she invested the money at 15.75%. She's making almost $70,000 a year of interest. So instead of, she was going to retire in seven years, she's retiring next year 
Why? Because I asked her the question about her mortgage and now she saw the light because my point to her was you've worked hard for your house. Why don't you make the house work hard for you now? So it's like it changed her life completely. Now she's going to retire five years early because the house is working for her. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's, I think it's hard for some people to change that mindset. And I think the more that they can relate to change that mindset from good debt to bad debt, it's, it's what the banks have done for years. And I think we can all agree the banks have done pretty well. They'll take your investment, your bank account, pay you 0.001% on your $100,000, and then they'll lend it out at one or two and they're making a spread. There's no reason why we can't use our homes and do the exact same thing. I, I, I 100% agree. All right, Catherine. Well, one of the things that I'm really interested in, because you've seen an awful lot over the last few years, you know, it's, it's been changing and ebbing and flowing. How has the mortgage market, what have you seen? What are the changes that you've seen? Yeah, I think over the past few years, I think we've seen, uh, you know, like I remember once upon a time, you know, and I, I'm not that old, but I remember being able to do 40 year mortgages with zero down, right? So, and you know, and this is going, and this isn't even that long ago. This would be within the past probably 10 years, right? So when I look at, you know, you used to get a house, 100% financing in Canada and get a 35 or 40 year mortgage, right? And, and, I, and I say that just because that gives you a great indication of where mortgage rules have gone. You know, if we could all hop in our time machine, I would have been like, okay, I'll take 10 of those, please, for all those rental properties, finance them 100%. But now, you know, we're at a place where mortgage rules have gotten restricted year over year over year over year over year, right? And I think it's, you know, uh, part and parcel to a lot of things. You know, we have a lot of investors entering the market. We have a lot of people speculating on properties, which is all great. Um, but it's it's caught. But there's always those people that have abused the mortgage system and just used their house as an ATM and racked up a lot of debt. So. Um, we're constantly in an environment in the mortgage world where it's getting more restrictive to get money for financing. So, and I tell people that and it's not a doom and gloom. It's not like it's impossible, but it's, I don't think it'll ever be easier than it is today. Right. And whenever you're listening to this, it's probably pretty hard today. Right. But I don't think it's going to get easier six months or 12 months from now, just like six months or 12 months ago. We, there's always going to be issues when it comes down to mortgage financing. There's always going to be problems with mortgage financing, right? But I don't think it's going to get easier, right? So I think for anybody that's investing in real estate right now, take out line of credit if you can. Talk to a mortgage broker if you can, right? Take out and leverage up the money to use it because it will likely look different 12, 18 months from now than it does today, just like it looked different today than it did two years ago. Good point. Really good point. So when somebody is coming to you, what can they do? What are some of the things that they can do that makes your job easier? So you can oh. help, you know, so you can better help them help themselves. Yeah, you can really tell I'm a mortgage nerd when you get excited about questions like this. Eh? Like, I'm just like, oh, let me tell everybody, right? Because I, I, I love this. And, and I think this is secret and learning what I've learned. And I'll, I'll use an example, right? I went to refinance one of our apartment buildings uh, about a year and a half or two years ago, right? Um, and you know what? Guilty on me, the banking statements were a dog's breakfast because as we all, sometimes people don't pay on the first, sometimes they pay on the second or the third, right? You're going to have some late payments every once in a while. But 
my statements got a little bit out of hand and the underwriter said to me, and I was a little embarrassed to even share this, but she said, Brian, you, you got to understand that this is a reflection of how you run your business, right? So, and the whole reason why I share that with you is firsthand, like, I don't run my business that way. I run it perfectly. I'm just kidding, right? But, but, the, but the reality is, is that when you're going to apply for financing, whether you're applying for your first investment property or you're applying for a 20, 30, 40 unit building, the paperwork that you present to the mortgage broker, which then in turn gets presented to the lender, is a direct correlation of who they're going to be dealing with. So if, if it looks like crap, the lender's first perspective or first impression of that is going to be like, this person is unorganized. So when you're going and getting into real estate investment, it is imperative have your taxes done. Like it's not rocket science. Have your taxes done. If your taxes aren't done, well, you, how old are you? You're 30, 40 years old. You don't know when they're due by now. Okay, so have your taxes done. Have them up to date, right? Have a package readily available for financing. If you have a job, have an up-to-date letter of employment, pay stub, T4, right? Have your, have your lease agreements in place. If you have multiple properties, have your lease agreements in place up to date with mortgage statements. If you're submitting lease agreements that are four years old and they've never been updated and you've never had rental increases, if I'm a lender looking at that, I'm like, wow, you don't look like you're managing this business very well, right? So in order to get the best financing, and I think you know, um, it is important at all times to try to get the best financing. Okay, sometimes, and I've seen investors do this, settle for private financing because private financing does not have as much of a due diligence requirement when it comes down to paperwork, right? Because they're saying, I'll charge you more if your paperwork's terrible, that's okay. I'm lending based on equity. Interest rates go up and down and we've seen some rising rate environments where it pays to have a cheaper mortgage and it pays to have your paperwork in order. So, you know, if you're a start, regardless of where you are on the spectrum of real estate investment, make sure that you treat it like a business and you have your paperwork in order and up to date, because if you don't, it's a reflection on you and the lender will see it the same way. That's really great and, advice. And, and one thing, yeah, just, I just want to add one comment to this. Uh, the difference between getting a commercial mortgage and getting a private mortgage for, for residential, uh, I'm always told, okay, when the bank looks at the a commercial, uh, they're looking at the value of the property, which is based on rent and stuff like that. And you matter, but not as much as, as, as uh, from what I heard here is that basically, it's like when you're doing a commercial mortgage, it's the property first and then you second. But when you're buying a house, it's you first and the property. Yes, of course, the property has to be in a good area, blah, blah, blah. But if all of that is perfect, but your records suck, you're not going to get a mortgage. Yeah, I think that's important, Danielle, because you're absolutely correct. With a commercial mortgage, they're basing it off of cap rates, cash flow, the property. But, you know, just like in any business, you're building relationships. You're trying to build a relation. Let's say First National, it's a great lender that does a lot of like multi-unit apartment buildings at exceptional rates. If you're trying to build a relationship there through your mortgage broker and they have renewals as well, too, they'll have like, they, let's say at the end of two years, they'll ask for your financial statements. It's not like they're going to call the mortgage, but they want to see how things are doing. And the credit unions will do this often, too. 
if you're terrible to deal with, the next time you go to apply for one, maybe they may look at it a little bit stricter and may say, yeah, you know, Brian is really tough. They wouldn't say that, but Danielle, no, they wouldn't say that either. (laughs) Bob, let's say Bob. Bob's really tough to deal with. So, you know, his paperwork's out of it. So you're absolutely right. Um, But on the residential side, it is both. But I think in both cases, it's imperative to have that paperwork in order for for both, whether it's residential or commercial. Um, it'll it'll bode well with helping you get the best best possible financing and best interest rates. So while we are talking about the individual and everything about you, one of the big I'm, I'm thinking here. Remember, I, I get a lot of mortgages, but I don't give out mortgages. So I'm asking question from from the other side of the fence here. How important is my credit score, my credit bureau, and in terms of the impression or, or, or the little boxes that the underwriter has to tick in order for me to get a mortgage? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's, it's extremely important because credit speaks to character as well, too. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when an underwriter or someone looks at credit report, and you've seen this many a time, like it is, it is reasonable that there can be a blemish, bruise, you know, sore spot on a credit report where I could say, okay, uh, Brian had a membership at Premier Fitness. He thought he canceled it. I'm not picking (laughs) on Premier. Okay. But I saw that one a lot. Okay. But, and the, and it went to collections and never got paid. I can justify that if there's one on there, but if I, if a broker or anybody's going to let him say, yeah, I had an issue with Premier. Oh, and then I had an issue with cash money. Oh, and then I had an issue with Horizon Utilities. Uh, there's a common denominator there and it's you, right? Not the credit report. So I think, you know, perfection is, is a really hard goal to strive for with anything. And a, a credit report doesn't have to be perfect, but it does have to make sense, right? So a credit score is extremely important. And what's also important is if there is a blemish on there, what's the story to it? Don't be shy. Tell someone, you know, people go through hardships in life. People go through death, divorces. They go through hard things. And if you communicate that, for example, you may have had three or four bad blemishes on a credit report, which happened in March of 2020. Well, if there's a reason and an explanation for it, and then things got better afterwards, tell the story, right? Don't, don't hide under the covers and think no one's going to figure it out, right? Come out for it because uh, an approach we always take is an underwriter is going to uncover a problem. So shine a light on it, Right. And because if you shine a light on it to your mortgage broker or lender, and then we shine a light on it to the lender, it builds trust throughout the entire transaction. Now I trust you as the mortgage broker. Now the lender trusts the mortgage broker because they're saying, oh, and I'm saying right away, yeah, I know there was a problem in 2020. This was the problem. This is why it happened. And this is why things got better, right? Instead of saying, you know, some mortgage brokers are just like, well, I don't know. You just didn't pay his bills. Well, why? You know, so- um, and if you, one simple thing I encourage everybody to do for your credit, it's so simple. Just set everything up possible on an auto payment. It's the simplest thing in the world. And, and it just, it doesn't have to be the full balance. If you have any credit cards or things like that, set up a minimum auto payment. So if you're away living the dream, like Danielle somewhere, you know, away for three weeks, then the minimum payments made because what your credit port is going to recognize they don't care if you make a massive payment late as much as if you make a regular payment, which is small on time. It's all about the consistency more so than it is the big lump sum payment that's late. 
We're going to take a quick break from the show. Enjoying this podcast? Then you might want to listen to REI Branded Podcast too. If you're looking to build your real estate investing business, reach more people and stand out from the competition, and you want to listen to the REI Branded Podcast. My name is Paul Copcut, and every day I work with busy real estate investors like you who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right business opportunities without having to attend all the networking events, Zoom meetings, be glued to social media, or feel too salesy. I love figuring out the latest strategies, hacks, and ideas that help them do that. And I want to share with you what works and what doesn't. That's why the REI branded podcast is for you. It's about marketing your real estate investing business, but from a brand perspective, because marketing is how you get their attention, but branding is why they choose you. On the REI branded podcast, we look to decode and uncover what makes a real estate investor brandtastic and how you can apply it to your own real estate investing business to attract the right leads, right partners, and right clients every time. Go to your favorite podcast app to download or find us at reibranded.com. Thank you. And now back to the show. So I've heard about the differences between paying by the due date and paying by the statement date. Mm. So a quick a fun fact, what I always end up doing, if you set up on a minimum payment, um, it'll always take it on time, right? So you set up the minimum payment date and set it up for a certain time. Or if you want to be really diligent, you could set up an auto payment bi-weekly, right? And let's say your minimum payment is going to be a hundred bucks a month or 200 bucks a month. Set up an auto payment for 50 bucks every two weeks. You'll never be late, right? But a good practice is if you don't have an auto payment set up, set it up. So make your payment at least three business days before the due date. And the reason being is because with some bank to bank transfers, even in this wonderful world of technology, there can be a delay for an online transfer. So you could make it on the due date online and it could still show up late. So just make sure you're always three business days prior to the due date. Okay. If you're not going to set up an auto payment, but the better, even better is setting up 50 bucks every two weeks. And heck, if you go into a credit balance, hallelujah. Do you know what I mean? You've got 50 bucks extra on your credit card. It'll cover, uh, you know, a 10th of a tank of gas these days. So, you know, so. This is true. One of the things that I did find when I, when cell phones all came out, is that those cell phone providers, man, they're a little bit nasty. You like, if you're one day late, they're dinging your credit rating. So what I did is nuts to you guys. So I knew what my monthly payment was and I prepaid. So I had a full month's payment and a little bit more. And I just kept a minimum balance on it, you know, which is I, they're making money on my money, but I thought I'm not, you, you guys are bullies. And, and this is, you're, you're playing a game and I'm not going to play. So there you go. And then every month I just paid my bill in full, of course, obviously, but I always had that backup that was there. So it was my that little way of doing awesome. little raspberry to them. I like it. Yeah. You know what? I think that's perfect. I, I'd rather have them play with my money and be on time than not. Another thing that I, I would like to do, because I, I don't call myself cheap, but thrifty. Anytime you get yes. the opportunity to put something on a points card. Like if you could pay your cell phone through an auto payment with a points card, why mm. not put it on through the points card? That stuff adds up, right? Like, especially as your business grows, you know, uh, might as well get leverage out of that. So find a great points card and pay as many bills as you can on auto payment through the points card. 
then put the auto payment on the points card. Okay. So you can, <laughs> it's a little bit of I a, but it. it, but it's, 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 you might as well have your money, make a little bit extra money. It's just, it's, it's, it could be your plane trip to Costa Rica. Who knows? Right. It could be something. So. And, and uh, Brian, one, one quick comment here, and I'd like to hear your comment on that. Uh, I'm mostly addressing uh, younger people here where, you know, they'll get an, an account with, uh, and I'm using the word TELUS because I've seen that happen before. So they, there's, there's an issue at some point with TELUS and then they get a bill and then they look at the bill and they're going, I'm not paying that effing bill. Um, never, you know, and then the, the they ignore it and, and whatever it's $32. I wasn't, I was not even, what do you mean a long distance from the state? I never went to the state. This is a mistake. And then they let it go, let it go, let it go. And then two and a half years later, they're at the bank and then they have a N whatever uh, R9 or something like that, because Talus took them to collection and they never paid attention. And that $32 is going to cost them how much now. So basically I'm, I'm just saying be careful of these it, it, it doesn't look like it's much or important but it is isn't it brian yeah it's very you know it's funny uh yeah I, I equate it to like you know if you have an argument with your spouse it's like do you want to be right or do you want to get along like <laughs> what is your outcome there right so yes and and i've seen it's funny you say that danielle because you are spot on that 32 dollars that you own tell us who cares if you're right pay it because it is going to do way more damage to you cause you way more problems later and and it's going to go up as a collection because tell us they have a whole collections department they have no problem registering a 32 dollars collection on your credit report right and you know what's going to happen you're going to have to pay it anyways because the bank if that is an isolated incident they're going to say i'm really sorry that happened and i'm sure you were right but i don't care pay it and we'll give you the loan it's almost like they work together in collusion somehow behind closed doors, right? But so I, I totally agree. Just pay it. You may be wrong, but what you, or you may be right, but what's your outcome? You want the loan. Like, don't let $32 hang up a four or $500,000 loan, yeah. right? In other so, words, pick your battles. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. Now, I have a question for you here. Uh, since I have an expert mortgage broker, we had a guest here a few weeks ago from England and uh, houses in downtown L London are on, are what we, they, they call generational, uh, generational mortgages. They're a hundred years old. They're a hundred year mortgage. Somebody huh. buys a house and then the, their kid will buy it from them and then their grandkids will buy it from them and so on because I don't know, I guess prices of houses are so expensive uh, over there or whatever it is that it, it takes, it, it, basically they never pay off the mortgage. Do you think we'll ever see in Canada 40 year mortgage, 50 year mortgage or because who now can yeah. afford a $1.6 million bungalow in, uh, in, in, in Mississauga? You know, it's a great point. I think they have that in uh, Hong Kong as well too. I've heard that as well in certain places. Yeah. So, and you know what? I, I think, you know, to our earlier point, we've seen mortgage rules get restricted, right? And in Canada, mortgage rules get restricted when we see property values go up. So I'm part of a, an organization, it's called Mortgage Professionals Canada, and they do a lot of lobbying and talking to the government. And the government's sort of perception on things is, we will not loosen mortgage rules when property values are escalating. We just won't do it. So in order to see what we're saying of a, a generational mortgage or a 40 or 50 year mortgage, we would have to see, a, in my opinion, based on what we've heard feedback from, we would have to see a serious decline in price. 
Because if the government saw a serious decline in price, they would do that to stimulate the economy again. But when we're in these uh, higher than ever prices, the last thing they want to do is create uh, an opportunity for the prices to go higher. So if that ever happens, if we ever get into an environment where you know rates go up really, really high for a long period of time and we have a, a recession that dreaded our word and if property values were to go down for whatever reason, I could see something like that coming into play, but likely not until something like that were to happen. Okay, all right. Catherine. I've got a, because you've been in the business for so long, you've grown exponentially. How many, how many businesses or how many locations do you now have? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah. Off the top. <laughs> so we have, we have, uh, we have about, I, I think we're at 11 or 12 because uh, yeah. we have a partnership with Remax Niagara and Remax Escarpment. And every time they open up a new office, they're opening up new offices all the time. So we put a Mission 35 mortgage agent in each one. And right now I know they're growing and I think they just opened up an office in Fort Erie and Welland as well too, because okay. Niagara is really booming. So um, so we are currently staffing positions there right now as well too. So, uh, um, and we've just launched a new training program. One thing that uh, we're really, similar to the Right Club, I think, is one thing that mortgage brokers haven't done a lot of lately is train new mortgage brokers. Um, mm -hmm. it's hard to train. So it takes twice as long to teach someone as it does to do it yourself. Right. Like we all know that, but then we teach yeah. other people because it brings us joy. And I think it elevates our community, right. You know, the right club, we teach people how to invest in real estate because we get to learn from everybody and everybody grows as a community. Um, so mission 35, we've taken the standpoint that, you know, we, we do attract a lot of seasoned mortgage professionals, but we've also really, uh, started to push, our training program now for brand new mortgage agents, because there's a lot of even real estate investors are looking to become mortgage and uh, mortgage agents these days. It's kind of like how some real estate investors want to become real estate agents sometimes too. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a lot of this come into play. And I think it's helped us uh, had a lot of growth by being able to take the time and put the systems and education in place for, for a brand new person to learn. And it's so much fun to see brand new people grow just like, you know, when someone's bought their first investment property, you know, to see their eyes light up and how exciting they, they see that. Um, it's the same thing we find when, uh, when we hire a new mortgage agent that's starting a brand new career and they bring so much excitement and joy and passion and anticipation into the business as well, too. And I think that keeps me young as well, too. If, uh, so maybe I can keep the Mission 35 name for a little while when I turn 45 <laughs> and 50, just for a little while longer. So, All right. Catherine. Yes, we've got, uh, before we head into our lightning round, which Ooh. is our follow-up and our, our uh, rapid fire questions, to, is there anything else? Danielle, do you have any last questions that you'd like to ask Brian? Or Brian, is there anything you need that you think that we need to know or is our investors and our community need to know about when they're going in and they're getting their mortgages? Any, anything you'd like to add on? I think, you know, what we've seen a lot of ups and downs in markets, we've seen rates go up, we've seen rates go down, we've seen them go up again, right? I think I just, you know, there's always a lot of strategies, which I love hearing about all the time. Just make sure you really run your numbers under worst case scenarios. I think it's really important to do because we've seen markets where people get excited about things and, and sometimes skip the steps. I think with real estate investment, it's very important to you know, talk to a qualified, educated mortgage agent, 
and, and run some worst case scenarios. If you take a variable rate mortgage, guess what? It's variable. So which means it could go up or down. So take the time to say, what does it look like if rates go up? What does it look like if rates go down? And make sure you understand that how is my cash flow going to be affected? Because as we know, in real estate investment, the only constant in life is change, right? So you can bank on things changing. So just have an understanding of what that looks like, especially if you're in your first, well, whether you're on your first investment or your 50th investment, forecast those numbers. Don't skip those steps and don't think that you know more than you do. It's almost like taking the same steps you did during step one when you're on property number 10, you know, and sometimes I see, and I've been, I've been guilty of it too. You get to property 10, you start to think, Ooh, I know a lot, <laughs> but the fundamentals from property one still hold true. So make sure you still bring yourself back, run your numbers, run your worst case scenarios. Um, so that way, you know, if you're in an up market, hallelujah, you can handle it. If you're in a down market, okay, what do I do if I'm in a down market and, and what, how, how do I mitigate my risk if that happens in this investment? And, and one, one more thing I'd like to add to that is don't bite more than you can chew. Actually, don't bite more than you might be able to chew two years from now. Here's what I mean. So yeah, you look at your numbers, you look at your income, you look at the mortgage rates. Okay, 2.75, it's good. I can afford that $1.1 million home. Very good. Everything looks fine. Four years from now, it's now at 4.75 and I have to sell the house. Well, you shouldn't have bought that house in the first place if you were this close to one and a half or two points and now you can't pay the mortgage. So that's what I mean by don't bite more than you might be, not be able to chew two years, three years down the road if the rates go up a little bit. So that's what you mean by run your numbers and give yourself a little bit of reading room there. Yeah, I, I think that's per well, very well put, Danielle. And I think to have, have some patience. You know what? Have some patience. I think, you know, uh, uh, too often when you look on Instagram, everybody became a millionaire and got a Lamborghini in five minutes, <laughs> but it, it didn't happen like that. Right. So I think have some patience and, and enjoy the journey because it, it's a pretty fun journey along the way, whether uh, the snowballs go on the uphill or the downhill, it's still a journey. Right. So, yeah, I remember an interview with uh, you're too young to remember that group, but ZZ Top. And uh, I love ZZ Top. Are you yeah, kidding? Me too. I love ZZ Top. <laughs> yes. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> and, and I saw them live uh, in Vancouver uh, back in 86 or 87. I can't remember. But anyway, in an interview, they were saying something about and they came up. They, they became very popular very fast at certain point, especially with the uh, um, MTV videos and stuff and all those songs there with the their car, the Eliminator and whatever. And then somebody said, wow, how do you explain your overnight success? And the guy said, 14 years in little bars in Texas. Yes, I love that. That's such a good answer. <laughs> it's true. Right. It's true. Okay, let's get to this lightning round. Danielle, I know that you've written a couple of lightning round questions. Did you want to start off first? This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini 
at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. Yes. So Brian, what is the best advice you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event or from anywhere? What, what's the best investing advice you've ever received? Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrant's a book. That, was, uh, <laughs> that got me started. I got it at the bank. And I remember the first time somebody gave it to me, I was like, eh, I don't want to read this. And then someone gave it to me again. And it changed my life. Like it, it got me thinking because I was working at a bank making 30 grand a year. And I was like, I need to get my passive income to exceed my employment income. And that was uh, cash flow quadrants. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And in, one of, in one of his books there, he says, you don't buy liabilities like a Porsche. You buy an apartment building. And with the money you make with the, uh, with the, with the asset, you buy the Porsche. But you don't buy the Porsche by itself. You, you take that money to buy a, an asset and the asset will pay for the liability. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best. Love that one. Catherine, yeah. question number two. Well, you kind of just uh, dovetailed in with that one. So I'm going to actually ask you, what, what is the one thing to not do? Ooh, the one thing to not do? Mm-hmm. That's a double no, negative. Nothing. In real estate investing? In real estate the investing. worst thing you can do is nothing. You know what? Nothing. I think I've, I've, I've had... I just talked to a client the other day and I had to kick his ass a little bit because he was still, he hadn't bought anything for two years. He'd been pre-approved. I said, where do you think you'd be if you bought something two years ago? Stop. Like you got to do something at some point. So I think the worst thing you can do is nothing. All right. So we're going to, we're going to sway away here a little bit. I have three questions for you. We're going to sway a little bit here from uh, real estate investing, because I want to, I, I want to dig into the head of Brian, the person, not Brian, the, uh, the mortgage broker. Uh, I could so, get scary, Danielle. I don't know. This all is right. a G rated program. Okay. <laughs> of all the place, of all the places you've been to, or you've traveled to, where would you go back to in an instant? If I could wave a magic wand and why? Best place uh, my wife and I vacation was the Jolly Turtle House in Exuma, Bahamas. It was like an, it's an Airbnb. You can look, I wonder if it's still on there, actually. Jolly Turtle House. I hope it's not something weird now. But anyways, it was uh, a really cool, it was just Exuma, Bahamas. It's one of the islands in Bahamas. They have swimming pigs like off this coast. It's such a, the bluest water I've ever seen. And it's a one road, like we, it's the only place I've hitchhiked and felt safe. Not that I hitchhike often, but anyways, it was just, just magical. Exuma Bahamas, I, I would say that's the best place I've been to. And if you can wave a wand, that'd be even better. So I don't have to fly. All right. Okay. Of all the places you want to go and visit, where would you go right now, right this minute, if I could wave a magic wand and why would you go there? I, you know what? I've never seen the water bungalows. I'm a beach guy. I like the sun. I like the sand. And I don't, I think like Bora Bora would be pretty cool. Like to see those water bungalows and you know what? And just to maybe do a podcast from there with that background, that'd be kind of fun, you know, and, and be like, it's not a virtual background. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. 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 <laughs> you let us know when you're there. We'll, we'll get that podcast. Back. All right. Deal. Deal. All right. I like it. <laughs> now, my last question for you is if you could meet, anyone in the world today for dinner who would you like to meet and why and what what kind of question would you be asking him or her gosh it's a toss-up you know what i i it's a toss-up between probably mark cuban or tony robbins i've always been a big tony robbins kind of guy 
And uh, I just think just his, I, I could just, I would just ask him about what, what do you think's going on in the world? <laughs> you know what I mean? And just to pick his brain would be cool. Or Mark Cuban. And I think Mark Cuban would just, I'd tell him my business plan and he'd give me direct <laughs> feedback and yell at me for like five minutes and tell me what I'm doing wrong. I think that'd be cool too, actually. I'd like that. So either one of them. <laughs> That's oh, uh, awesome. That's, or both. If I can get them both to sit down, yeah, that'd, be, okay. that'd be fun. It, so. It's interesting you mentioned that about the business plan because I have a book downstairs here in our in our business library entitled, Do You Want to Make God Laugh? Show Him Your Business Plan. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And on that note, Brian, where can where can our community find you? What's what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? You know what? Just I guess follow me on uh, uh, Brian Hogman on Instagram or Mission Thirty Five on Instagram uh, is probably the best way. And just send us a DM, and uh, we can get in touch and and um, help out with any questions that you have. Myself, Brian Hogman, or at Mission Thirty Five Mortgages, um, or you can email us info at mi35.ca. Awesome. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank and we you. look forward to connecting with you and interacting in our Right Club community. And that is actually, anybody's listening to this, our podcast, you're going to be able to download it on any of your favorite, um, your favorite listening apps, as well as you can find anything. And all you need to do on our website is to, to put in the search, Brian Hogben or Mission 35. And Brian has been a part of our community for the last five plus years. And so any of the segments that he's been in, any previous podcasts, anything that's been with the blog or whatever, all you have to do is just put that in the search and everything pops up. So search words and it's really great there. So again, Brian, thank you so very much. Yes. Appreciate it greatly. Thank you thank for you. having me. I appreciate it. Thank you as always. You. Great chatting with you guys. Okay. Awesome. Wow. Was that ever awesome? I'm so glad that Brian was able to join us today. That's Brian Hogman from Mission 35 Mortgages. Danielle, there were so many questions and so much information. What was your biggest takeaway today? Uh, well, my biggest takeaway was when you asked a question, Catherine, um, and you said, what is uh, the one thing that people should not do right now in the real estate investing world? And, and his answer was nothing. And, and for a second there, I thought, okay, what, what do you mean by that? The worst thing that people can do right now is do nothing because there's so many things that you can do. There's so many ways right now to, to benefit from the situation. So doing sitting on your butt and, and just watching the parade go by and do nothing, that's the worst thing that you can do right now in the real estate investing world. Good point. Really good point. And that is one of the things that you do mention whenever we have any of our events, whether they're live or virtual, when you're, when we're reading our disclaimer and telling everybody, this is what you need to do for your due diligence. And then you follow it up with, and then take action. Very mm -hmm. good point. Very good point. I think my biggest takeaway was some of the tips that he actually was hardcore foundational tips that are so important, whether you're a first time investor or whether you're a seasoned investor with a larger portfolio that's growing, but some of the things that makes not only the mortgage broker's job easier, but how to keep your ducks in a row that helps you um, establish and keep your credibility for those in the business of financing as you move forward. So yes, and, and, and right along those lines, again, uh, another big takeaway, but it's just adding on to what you just said is that 
while while a lot of people might think that getting a mortgage is all about numbers, it is. But Brian made it very clear that it's also about you because sometimes your the numbers you will show will tell the lender what kind of character you have, what kind of person you are, etc., uh, etc. Et so it's not all about the numbers it's also about you the person and you have to keep that in mind when you're quote unquote working on your ducks in a row it's not just numbers uh, that you need to keep in a row it's also your personal traits of character and what you do paying bills on time etc etc so yes Catherine, your ducks in a row your personal ducks and your business ducks absolutely and for anybody who'd like to be able to follow up with this and any of the other Um, phenomenal five and a half years worth of hardcore foundational information for those in the business of real estate investing, make sure you head over to our website at www.therightclub.com. And uh, just, it's really easy peasy. It's a free platform, all kinds. All you need to do is just kind of sign up. We do need to get you to sign up, but then in the search, all you need to do is put what topic you want. There's a particular person, anything else. And it just goes and it just all populates with all kinds of resources and information for you. And on that note, thank you so very much, Danielle. And uh, we'll we'll see you on the site. Yeah. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.